I remember at one point you're telling me in Slack, you're like, these people just offered me 2 million bucks for this. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, you did it. We started the podcast, my first million. You just made your first 2 million. (laughs) Congrats. Like, I can't believe this worked out. You're like, I'm not going to sell though. And I was like, wow, this guy's insane. (laughs) And I was like, that's an insane story. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. All right, so I can't tell you how many times I hear this. People will DM me every single day and they'll say, hey, I'm just calling my shot right now. Today, I'm I'm a small boy. In three years from now, I'm going to be on MFM. I'm going to be on my first million. I'm going to make my first million doing X, Y, Z. Yep. Every single day I get a message like that. Here's somebody who actually did it. (laughs) This is Ishan. He was my intern turn guy who's made millions and millions of dollars, lost millions of dollars and had a crazy journey in between. You were the guy who I created this podcast with. Yeah. You were the guy who, the, the cover art of our podcast, he created it. <laughs> um, the, the intro song originally, the original intro song, he created it. You know, I didn't even know how to record it, audio at the time. This guy did all of it. Um, you went from behind the scenes to now you're on the stage here in my house and yeah. we're going to record this episode. So I've made it. You made it. That's, that, that's the teaser. All right. Let's tell the story. All right. It's time for a little ad break. I got to tell you about HubSpot's HubSpot for Startups program. So if you're a startup and you're trying to grow, this thing is pretty great. You get a huge discount, 30 to 90% off on a tool that your whole sales and marketing team can use to help you scale as you grow. We use this in our companies. I think you should too. They have tons of resources. They got great customer support, tons of integration with popular apps that you use. You got to check it out. So it's the HubSpot for Startups program. You can check it out at HubSpot.com slash startups. All right. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, what's up? <laughs> I, uh, so people don't know this. So you yeah. are Ishan. Yeah. You, uh, I've, met, I've known you since you were 18 years old. You yeah. still are kind of like 18 years old. I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still look like you know, 18 years old, yeah. You're 23 now? Yeah. All right, so I'm thinking this episode is kind of like, your title was an intern, but it's going to be good for YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to be like, intern, my intern became a millionaire. Okay, yeah, well, like, yeah, I was a glorified and like my top official title is chief of stuff. Right? Which is like yeah. kind of like intern. <laughs> and by the way, I got a good track record with this. I don't yeah. know if I'm doing anything, but I'm good at picking people because I worked with you at age 18. Yeah. Steve Bartlett, 19, maybe 20 yep. uh, years old. There's a guy, uh, another guy named Sean, who just tweeted out today that he's like, those four months I worked with you were super influential. He went from like guy just working someplace. Now he's got an eight-figure agency. So that was cool. Yeah. Uh, Danny Miranda worked with me for a little bit. People know him in the podcast game now. He was with us for a couple months before he started creating content. So I, th- I feel like those two are Sean's and maybe... Yeah. Getting, getting people that like sound similar to your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the closer the better, actually. Yeah. Um, all right, so you've had a crazy run, but let's do, let's do the history. So yeah. how did we meet? Uh, well, I followed you on Twitter when I was like 12, 13 years old. I was tweeting. My whole strategy was let me get my like, like profile picture. Actually, your before we do that, I'm going to yeah. reintro the, the, the one part, which is yeah. one thing that people don't know is... This podcast was started actually not with me and Sam, me and you. (laughs) I hit you up on uh, Twitter DMs. Yes. Yeah. And I saw that you were doing a, you were a podcast editor for somebody else I knew. Um, I think Corey or Angelist or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Corey Levy. And so I I had this idea. All right. I want to do a podcast. I hit you up. I didn't know how old you were, but I was like, hey, um, (laughs) do you want to produce for me? Then we got on a call. I was like, oh man, this is like a kid somewhere. You were at school at the time. 
And I was like, will you, do you know how, how audio works? And you're like, yes, I got you. So the, if people see the, the cover art of the podcast, yeah. you made that. Um, the initial like, you know, 20 episodes or whatever, all those intros and all the audio, you made that. Yeah. Then we started doing business experiments together. This was at a time where I was kind of like, I think I want to build an audience. Yeah. And I also want to just launch some businesses. We launched e-com businesses. We launched a bunch of shit together. <laughs> and then we all went off our own ways. And then you had a crazy journey after that where you made millions of dollars, lost millions of dollars yep. and all the rest. So we're going to talk about all that. Let's start at the beginning. So I DM'd you, but we, you actually were on Twitter when you said we were, what, 13 yeah, years like old? 13 years old. I followed you. I was trying to just get my face like on all these people. Because I'm from Australia, right? There's no... There's no Silicon Valley. There's no like VCs and cool angels and all these people. So I was like, right, let me, this is my avenue to get to these people. Um, and then let me just like, even if it wasn't like a lot of value add, I'll, let me just tweet random shit at you guys. And right. I was doing that. So that if you just go on my Twitter, you'll find tweets of me, you know, tweeting off to Sean random shit and you'll respond here and there. But yes, yeah, so I was like when I was, yeah, literally like 13, 14, whatever. Amazing. And then a couple of years after, later, when I was with the podcast with Corey, is when, yeah, you DM'd me and I was like, yeah, I already know who you are and let's do this. I think your name was, I think I found you because your name was also Sean. And I was right. like, this is like, <laughs> this is, this is meant to be. Uh, but yeah. So you um, talk about the start. So when we were working together, tell me some of the things you remember. Because I remember, all, I only remember, everyone's got their own version of history. Yeah. I remember in my head, like, you know, what we were thinking back then. But I'm curious, and this is our first time catching up in person because you yeah. live in Australia, <laughs> um, and you're just in town. So I was and like, you used to live at where I lived. I was living in Brisbane. You also, like, way exactly. back when, lived in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, so what's your version of history? What do you remember? The first thing I remember, well, I think the first thing I remember is when we were doing the podcast, like, cover art and stuff, I sent you over some, like, uh, you know, like, here's version A, version B, blah, blah, blah. And then you were like, hold on a second, you should uh, add your name. To the, to the cover art. Yeah. And I, th I thought that was really cool. That, that gave like me a lot of confidence. Right. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. This was, I'm like, I'm, you know, a part of this as, as well. I remember that was, that was like a cool thing you did because I think maybe there's some learning there with people that hire. Yeah. Give people a shot. Like, make them feel special. Yeah. Yeah. You make them feel special. Um, do that. So that was, that was like a really cool thing I remember. Um, also, I'm just like the kind of craziness of like, let's start a crystal store today. <laughs> and then like a few weeks later, let's start this other D to C thing. Like, Make up, make the store. Seventy-two hours, go off and and do it. It was like, it was it was like some variation of like an incubator, but it's just like so two this, guys. At this time, I'm working at Twitch. I'm earning yeah. out my deal. We sold the Twitch. I'm now earning out, and I know okay, in a year I get this vesting check. Yeah. But in the meantime, like frankly, I was pretty bored inside of a big company. I, you know, it's not. I knew that's not my long term, and I was like, you know, on the side here, what can I do to entertain myself? The podcast was one cool thing I'd always wanted to do. And then the other would be like, I would meet somebody and I'm like, oh, this person's killing it in e-com. Yeah. Yo, Ishan, <laughs> I'm making an e-com store. And I remember for the crystals thing, I was like, I read some article. I saw some magazine. Like I always try to look outside of, like, I don't look at TechCrunch to get tech ideas or like business ideas. I look, I was separately. So I remember reading like a people magazine and it was like Adele, was saying she won't go on stage unless she has her like rose quartz crystal. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, that's insane. Like you, who believes in this crap? And I Googled it and I was like, after Kim Kardashian got mugged, she had like a $4 million ring. She got mugged and it was like, how did you recover? She's like, well, my crystals really grounded me. <laughs> and I was like, and then you see all these celebrities. I'm like, if again, I just think people are sort of like, I have this tweet that's like, uh, 
the economy is just smart people paying beautiful people to market to, right. to, to sort of like yeah. average people. And I was like, if all the celebrities are doing this, then there's got to be a bunch of other people that believe in this. And so I remember calling you and you were like, the best part about you is your game. Uh, yeah. That's like my favorite thing is like, if you hire somebody with no experience, there's a bunch of bad things. Like, I'd be like, dude, like, I haven't heard from you in two days. Where'd you go? <laughs> yeah. But then on the good side, it'd be like, he doesn't know any better. So I could just be like, hey, we're doing this and it's going to be, we're going to launch it in two days. And you're probably just like, I don't know. Is that, is that normal? <laughs> Maybe that's normal, right? Like, yeah. Because besides this, like, I never, I've always been working for like internet people. I have never had like a traditional go to an office. And, right. And like, I was, I remember at the time I was like, uh, I'm like, I'm going to finish uni. Should I go and be a consultant for like some bank or whatever? Yeah, you asked me that. <laughs> I was like, so, because uh, yeah, I just didn't know what the other, I guess I was just gay because I didn't know what the other world was like. I was like, all right, this is kind of right normal <laughs> and doing this. So, um, so yeah, crazy stuff like just, yeah, creating different, Ecom stores or different experiments. We did like a newsletter, the good, terrible, bad, very bad. Oh, and then, dude, I don't even, that was like that one. Top five of Milk Road, something? right? Milk yeah, Road, yeah, became yeah, yeah, yeah. Milk Road became a successful newsletter company. But I guess before that, I don't even remember that. We, yeah. we did launch a newsletter called the, the, the No Good, Very Bad, Terrible, Something, Something, Something newsletter. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was, why we called it that, but we basically were launching a bunch of experiments. And I remember at the time, one, one of my takeaways from that is, that crystal store, for example, I didn't even know what winning looked like. So one problem with an experiment, because it's easy to use this word experiment, but the way a science experiment works is you have a hypothesis. You're like, I believe this. Then you run the test and it either confirms it or it doesn't. Yeah. But I was using the word experiment wrong, which was like, I'm just going to try a bunch of shit without actually knowing like, what is the win condition? Yeah. What is the success or failure condition of this? And so like, now that I look, now that I actually have an e-commerce bit, like, like our e-commerce business now, you know, is, is doing very well. It's an eight-figure e-commerce business. Now that I know what an e-com business looks like, I can go back and think about our, our crystal store. Actually, it was doing very well. Like, I just didn't know. So, for example, we were running Facebook ads. And the key metric for all e-commerce businesses is your ROAS, your return on ad spend. And I think we were getting, like, 1.7. Yeah. Well, like, the rocks. <laughs> yeah, we were selling these rocks. <laughs> like, 50, 60. They're going rocks. They're crystals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, no, I remember... Like, like the first few hours, we got that, that Shopify ding. And yeah, it's like, amazing. Like that was, I mean, most people start up a store and they don't have sales for like a couple of days or whatever, or weeks. And so, yeah, it, I think our problem was like, just didn't continue. We didn't like, continue, like, exactly. Because okay. now that I look back, it was like 1.7 to 2x. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, it's supposed to be 3 or 4x, I think. Because <laughs> I had heard some yeah. idiot saying that somewhere. And I just thought that's what it is. And so I was like, oh, I guess this is bad. Turn it, like shut it down. Let's do the next thing. Uh, you know, in retrospect, it's, I, you know, maybe I'm glad I'm not running a crystal store, but at the same time, like there is a lesson there of, I mean, sticking to it is obviously a, like you can't win without the stick to itness. But one of the things that makes you stick to it is not just willpower. It's like knowing your win condition. So like you, do you even know what to look at and do you know what winning looks like? Do you know what the benchmark should be so that you can actually assess a successful versus unsuccessful experiment? So that was one of my learning, one of my rem things I remember from back then. The other one I remember is like with the pod, I, we kind of like, we called our shot a little bit. Like we made this Google doc yeah. of the plan, the one page plan. And now I call that my kickoff doc, but it was like, before we started it, I wrote this out. Do you remember that, that doc? Yeah, I remember. And it was, well, the first thing that you hopped on was like, you need your a thousand true fans. Like that was the, 
very, very first thing you're like, if we just got this, you can build a pretty big business just with, with a thousand people. That was like the first thing I remember. And then you had a few things like we need to get to a hundred thousand listeners and get a bunch of other, other, like maybe build a business of, or like, you know, these ancillary businesses, adjacent businesses across it. And I mean, you did all that. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's one thing you kind of step back and it's like, I'll share the doc. I'll put the doc. Uh, if you're on YouTube, I'm going to put it on the screen so you can see literally like word for word what we wrote back then. And it's not that it, it wasn't all right in that uh, it all happened, but it definitely didn't happen on the timeline. I remember thinking, yeah. we're going to hit, let's get to 100,000 downloads per episode. So that's the thing. Like per episode, I want 100,000 downloads by the end of the year. So it's like 12 months. Yeah. Took me three years. So like, <laughs> you know, now we do that, but like, you know, it took three years for us to ever hit that mark. So it's kind of this old phrase, like, don't confuse a clear view for a short distance. Yeah. It's like, I feel like we had a clear view. I just thought, things would happen faster. I overestimated kind of like what could be done in one year. But with that one, because it's so fun, I just kept going. And like, sure enough, like, you know, it all, we, 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 we that was like the right thing to keep going. Those are yeah. other things, shiny things. And that was like the right one. The one that was making no money actually costing me money. Because one of the things I wrote in that doc is I plan to lose $10,000 a year doing that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it'll <laughs> be worth it because I thought, you know, creates like some serendipity. Yeah. And you kind of talked about that too, like content creating serendipity or like, just being online and being like in the mix. Yeah. Creates like fortune. Liking a post or applying to something or putting putting yourself out there. Who cares if someone doesn't like when you I mean it's different for you now. If you post this millions of people are gonna look at it. But like just for like a regular person, when you post like a tweet and it says like 116 impressions, it's got no like that's still like that's still some people that have looked at it and you don't know who it is. <laughs> but you know, later down the line that could that could come in handy. And when we talk about uh so some of the stuff I'm doing now, I can I've gotten all my opportunities. Every single one of them has been like through Twitter or like through some like LinkedIn or some email or thing I've sent and late years later down the track, it's all come. Well, tell the story about the billionaire. So what, what happened there? <laughs> that started yeah. on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, that was a, that was me just like saying, I need a, I just made this like kick-ass investment and let me like, I want more people to know about it. So I, I was like talking to like journalists and stuff like that. Like, Hey, write about the story. And no one was really uh, taking the time, but there was one dude that was actually yeah on Twitter. He, um, I just, he wasn't responding to anything else. I went on Twitter. I saw he's active there. I was just like, I just kept liking his post. I didn't actually say anything. And then like, he checked out my LinkedIn profile and we started talking. He's like, okay, yeah, let me write about the story. Right. And it was like, it wasn't like a Forbes or anything. It was like a pretty small news site that it's, it's so weird that they posted that article and a few days later, a billionaire read that article and then reached yeah, out to me. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll tell that story. It's like, so even that is like, um. There's this phrase that I read once. I think Mark Suster did a blog post about this called lines, not dots. Basically, the idea is like a line is just a collection of dots. Like right. mathematically, that's what a line is. It's multiple dots, just all, all connected. And so what he says is like, you know, in, he's like, what people think happens is they see on TV that you go in, you meet this investor cold, and you blow their socks off with this pitch. And then they write you this check and say, you know, here you go, son, go, go on. And it's like, that's not what happens. Like that's movies. That's Shark Tank. That's not real. And the real thing is dots. And so he's like, you know, many interactions that stack up that when you look back later is a line. Um, and he's like, investors invest in lines, not dots. Meaning they're not just going to like, it's not the very first interaction typically where it's all just going to happen for you. And so it's following the person, liking the post, replying to something. They notice that this person said something smart, not the first time, but the third time. Yeah. And then after that, they follow you back. And then because of that, they see this other blog post you wrote you don't even realize that one of your 98 views yeah. was this person who's actually legit. 
and then go, you know, like, and then so those dots stack up and ultimately that's how trust gets built. That's this how. This the framework. This is the, the framework king. Ed- yeah, this is actually, <laughs> watch me cook, baby. This is what I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's, I think, you know, what you've done really well. So, all right, so let's get to the part where we break up. So at some point we break up. We worked together for a while. I got a yeah. year. I think it was like a couple of years of like knowing each other and like doing stuff. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. So we get to some point where um, you're like, you come to me one day, you're like, I want to day trade or something. <laughs> and yeah. like, to be fair, you were actually kind of good at this. I remember one time we were on a call and uh, I was like telling you like some instructions or something like some action items. And then like, there's like no feedback. <laughs> and I was like, yo, are you listening? Like, what are you doing? What, what happened? Where did yeah. Is this thing on? And you were like, oh, hang on. Um, Bitcoin just crashed to $3,500. I'm like, this motherfucker's looking at the Bitcoin price while we're supposed to be working on our very important crystal store or whatever we were doing, whatever you know, scheme we were in at the time. Yeah. And I remember being like, like two reactions. One, like annoyed. Like, dude, this guy's like not paying attention. Two, wait, Bitcoin's crashed? Like, should, you know, he's buying, should I buy? And you're like, because you told me, you're like, they're going to crash. I'm trying to. I'm trying to place an order real quick. It was down like sixty percent on just that day. And everyone, everyone in crypto like knows that day. It was a very like. It was like, a, it was like in March or something. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was and like it was like you just never see it happen. This is like this is not some altcoin. This is like the coin. This is right. This is Bitcoin. And so when that happened, I was like, I, I've seen a few of these, and I just wasn't a part of it. And so I was like, I'm my so time. sorry. I know <laughs> I should be working and listening right now. And I was like, I need to act right now. And so. Yeah, I mean, I grabbed all the money I had. It was a couple of thousand dollars. And I, well, I didn't just buy the, <laughs> I was like, the degenerate in me, I was like, okay, let me try and maximize this opportunity. So I went on, people know BitMEX. I went leverage long on Bitcoin. So I took all my money, did that. And when I went, and like, leverage long means what here in this case? So, you, so if you buy a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin and you buy, you know, 20x leverage, that means you actually buy $20,000 worth. But um, if, it, if it goes down by even a little bit, yeah, you, you'll you'll go wiped out. You'll have you'll experience a thing called liquidation. Right. <laughs> so getting liquidated um, is like your worst nightmare. And I remember you were like, what, four or five grand? You're, yeah, it was, that was, it was like four grand. That was my collateral. I was twenty x or twenty five x leverage. <laughs> and when I clicked the button to buy, like everything went frozen. And I was like, I was thinking, oh shit, is it just me? Or like, I'm I'm kind of freaking out. And I go on Twitter. That's when I was, I was, I was like, not really talking. I went on Twitter and everyone else is like, BitMEX just froze. And I'm like, okay, it's not just me. It's, it's like the actual uh, exchange. And I was kind of freaking out because I thought, all right, it's gone. I've, I've already clicked buy. And, bit, and I mean, when you, when you were looking at the chart, if you look at the one minute chart, it was just going down, like it went down, 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 and it just stopped. You made so you'd assume, yeah. You, you'd assume that when it like unfreezes, it would have just kept going down. Cause who knows? This was like a black swan event, right? So we don't know what's going on and so that's why i was like frozen for a while because i thought i just i'm an idiot i just lost all my money but when it unfroze i saw i was up like forty thousand dollars i was like i was i was like oh is it like my heart was happening <laughs> and, and yeah that's when uh, i think you went on coinbase you, you yeah when, was, when you told me i was like <laughs> i was like come on man i was like but wait what what's the price and i went and i went and bought 25k that day too yeah and so which is actually an amazing trade like we made yes. more money in that <laughs> We made more yeah. money in that one minute yeah. than we did like, you know, six months of experiments together, you know, whatever, you know, three months of experiments that we were working on at the time. And there is a lesson there, which was like, um, you know, the, the best kind of like ideas don't all just come from your head. Like, you know, you're at the time, I like intern chief of staff, but you were like, this is a buy right now. I'm going to do this. And by following you, I kind of like 
got the benefit of that at the time. And, you know, Bitcoin would have traded up to like 70 grand or whatever since yeah. then. And then, you know, it's come back down to earth. But my, still, my takeaway from still 10x from that day. Yeah. My takeaway was uh, there's like, there's a very few moments where you can make all the money versus like trying to make a little bit of money every single time. And I think like I'm not a day trader. I don't think I'd go back to being a day trader or whatever. But I think all the money is made when there's like a few key decisions that happen maybe once a year or once every few years once every few months, whatever it is. Um, and you just have to act on it with like, like, it's a bit degenerate. You have to like, there wasn't a lot of thoughtful planning around, I'm going to buy Bitcoin because of this mathematical equation that's forecast. Right. It was just, times like this doesn't uh, happen every, right. all the time. Well, so you, let me what, act on it. In the moment, I was like, this guy's a fucking degenerate, right? Like, <laughs> 20, I didn't even yeah. know exactly how an option trade worked. I was like, okay, this is crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, you're right. Like, if you go read that Buffett quote where he's like, you know, there are moments or seasons where, you know, the, 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 the clouds fill the sky right, and, it's it's about, right. <laughs> and it's about to rain. And in that, he says in that moment, let us not come out with spoons, but bathtubs to sort of like make, hey, there's also, you know, Naval has a quote that's similar to this, which is he's talking about luck. He says one of the versions of luck is being able to recognize an opportunity. Yeah. So it's uh, the, it's the version of luck. It's like he calls it level two or whatever or. He's not the inventor of this. I, I just heard it from him. Um, but, you know, the, the original guy who wrote this, he basically says, you know, it's sort of luck favors the prepared mind. Yeah. So anybody could have seen that price. And most people, when they see something going down, they get scared. You were like, this is Bitcoin. Bitcoin yeah. flash crash. Blink decision that this is a good bet for me. Like, whatever. Risk reward adjusted. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you were correct in that. Later, I'm going to tell a story. So... <laughs> You come to the States, we fly you out. And uh, I remember we go to a restaurant and we invite my buddy Suli and we're talking and Suli's like, okay, Sean, like, you know, (laughs) tell me like, what, what are you excited about? Yeah. And uh, you go, oh, I'm excited about this company called Animoca. And you had told me about this company three times at this point. And you were like, oh, I love the stock Animoca. I like the stock. It was like, you were like the GameStop guy, right? You're like, I like the stock. And I was like, Animoca, I've never heard of this. Sounds like a yogurt. Um, (laughs) And then I was like, why do you like it? And then you had told me something. That I, I didn't really ask, but I was like, what does it do? And you're like, oh, they're making these like mobile games or something like that. Okay, whatever. Later, when we're at this lunch, I was like, hey, Suli built a mobile gaming company and sold it for whatever, 100 million bucks more. Um, tell him about that. What's that mobile gaming company? And you started telling him. He's like, okay, interesting. So I had heard it like four times from you, never took action. Because again, I was not at that <laughs> time listening in probably the way I should have. That's an investment you made millions of dollars off of. Yeah. Tell the story of how after we stop working together, you go from intern to multimillionaire in a very short, like how long? Like yeah, it's a very short amount of time. So at so I've known about Anamoka. It was a Australian listed company. So it was on the stock market. And I initially bought like a few thousand dollars worth. And it did well. It went up like four X, something like that. So I was like, okay, great. That's you know, I've done, I've done my done my thing here. And I I was looking at it as an investment, so I didn't sell it. And then the Australian Stock Exchange, they came after it. And they were like, oh, you guys are dealing with this weird crypto stuff. We're going to have to delist you. Well, they weren't crypto initially. They pivoted to... Yeah, they, right? yeah so what, about the time when I bought... So I bought them initially because they had an announcement. And they were like, we're going to do a thing called CryptoKitties. Um, and we're going to work with them. And so I saw that as like, this was before like a pretty boring robot company. Now it's like a... Sexy crypto. Yeah, it's like a sexy crypto thing. It's like, how do you value a blockchain game? Like, this is like, thing, things that are like hard to value is kind of what I like because nobody knows what the price is. Right. And so, like, as a degenerate, I like that. 
Um, and so, yeah, so anyway, it did well. By the way, none of this episode is financial advice. This is yeah, actually this is NFA, yeah. me just laughing at the craziness <laughs> of this story. So, yeah. uh, so let's, let's tell the story. So you, you, yeah. buy, you buy more. So, yeah, so I bought it. It got delisted. So I'm like, holy shit, my money is gone. How much were right. you in at that point? Uh, it, it wasn't a lot. It was like 25,000. That it became, yeah. But to you, that was a lot. That was, oh, that was, yeah, that was everything to me, yeah. So you put, uh, yeah. you put everything you have, which is 25 grand at the time. It yeah. gets delisted off the stock exchange because the exchange yeah. is like, you guys now do crypto. We don't know. We don't like crypto. We don't know what crypto is. Yeah. Now you're liquid stock. You can't even sell. Yeah, I can't sell it. Um, And so this was like- you tell me this. I'm laughing at you. I'm like, dude- <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember you yeah, told yeah. me this. You're like, dude, I got fucked on Animoca. And you're like, it's delisted. I'm like, wow. I thought you'd probably just lose money because the stock goes down. I didn't think you would lose money because yeah. you just can't sell it anymore. Yeah. But you did something even crazy. You doubled down on crazy. So tell sir, so throughout that year, I did a few things. I learned about like secondary markets. That's something I didn't, you know, I wasn't really exposed to before. I learned about that. Um, I did a lot more research into like what they were doing. And I've always been in the, and I was the perfect person because I, you know, I had a Minecraft server when I was a kid. So in high school. So I understood how that uh, if you turn these in-game items into something that you could sell, um, this is a win-win for, for everyone. So there's that. I was a gamer at heart. So when you, when you, and I was in Bitcoin way, way long before, maybe 2016. So when you mix all of that together, I was like the perfect person to see the light. I was like, okay, what they're doing is actually something that I want to get more exposed to. And you know, why buy a bunch of different tokens and companies when I can just buy the, get exposed to the people that I think will be the, the overall winners here. Um, and so w- once I, you know, got, had that conviction, I was like, okay, well, how do, how do I, I can't market buy the stock, right? So I was like, how do I actually buy this thing now? And this was like a year it's been delisted. So in that time, um, I was working for you and, and another guy and I had a few other bets that did really, Afterpay was one of them that ended up being a- You really, told me about that one too, yeah. yeah. You're, we were talking about buy now, pay later. Yeah. And I had met uh, Max Lecce from a firm. Yeah. I was like, oh, this, this was a great startup idea. And you go, oh, we have uh, actually Afterpay is better. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, bro, your little Australian version is not better. <laughs> you were like, no, look at these numbers. It's yeah. better. And uh, that stock just went, that went crazy. Off so, from there. You, you told me like really early on that one. So I, yeah, yeah. So uh, I did, yeah. So I did really well with that. Um, I also have a pretty crazy story there where I followed one of the, like, I didn't have, a lot of edge being like a kid from Australia investing in a public stock. So I followed, you know, all the C-suite people on Strava to see where they're at. And um, one of them was like near the square offices and they never like, so that's when, um, you know, they ended up acquiring. So I got like the little edge. Billions. So that was a, that was like a little hack. You're like, I don't have satellites to track cars, but (laughs) you, you, that's legit. You follow the guns. Yeah. And I, I, he was at the square offices. You're like, they might get bought. So there's a guy from Afterpay, um, the CHO <laughs> was at, he was in San Francisco and he was like pretty close to Square Office doing his run. And I was like, this, there might be something. I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm like, I feel like a partnership would happen, but then, you know, Square came out and bought them for like 30 billion or whatever. And, you know, the stock you know, went crazy. But um, anyway, I made a bunch of stuff, I made money from doing trades like that um, and working for you guys. All right. So how do I buy Animal? I want to buy more. And you know, the way I went to like Facebook groups initially. Well, you <laughs> so, told me you were like, there's a Facebook group of people just like commiserating. It's yeah, like, we're, we're wailing, yeah. Recovering uh, Animoca stockholders were just there bitching and moaning. Like they were very disgruntled. Like they were talking about at one point doing like a, like a class action against Animoca or whatever, like all this stuff. And so I was like, okay, this, like at the time when they were listed, they were worth like $80 million or $100 million. 
I was like, okay, I could get a huge discount on that. Um, and so, yeah, I went to Facebook. I got a few people and they're like small trades. I was like, I need bigger. How do I get like people that have the big money? So I got the list of the top shareholders. You can, you can request it publicly in Australia. Might be the same here in the States, but I got the top holders and I was like, right, let me go through each one of them. Which one of them is disgruntled? And there was a few that I, I still couldn't name. Like the Australian press wanted me to like name these people. Yeah. Um, I think one of them say Republic, but they're like pretty big time people that, I mean, they're already smart rich. Smart money, yeah. Yeah, they're smart money. They're already rich. They had this because they invest in some fund, uh, had some allocation, blah, blah, blah. So they were like just willing to get rid of it. They're like, it's delisted. They don't know. They probably don't know that they were in crypto or they're gaming. <laughs> it's just one of the things in their portfolio that's, you know. Right. And so, so yeah, buying it for like what discount? Like 50%, mass, 80%? Uh, it was more like 80, 90% discount to what the last. And I remember was. when you told me, I have the Slack messages when you told me I'm yeah. buying it for, you know, 10 cents on the dollar. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, you're just lighting money on fire. Like you're going crazy. Like yeah. what's going to, like, that's a insane reaction to the bad news bears yeah. was I'm going to like double down, but it worked. So yeah, I didn't, I think I, I yeah, I put everything I had is about a hundred K that I just like, all right, this, this should work out. Well, it's also like, I'm, if I lose all this money, all right, I'm in my twenties. I'll like, you told me this. Like, yeah, you go, you're like, I'm 20 years old. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I'll just like get a job and I'll save up again and I'll, I'll just, I've got, this is the time to do every, take all these crazy bets. Um, I don't have kids. I don't have anyone that's right. on me. So. Uh, yeah, so I made the bet. Um, I did all the transactions. It, it, that itself was like a bit of a crazy thing because they take some time to do to do private transfers in Australia. Like the documentation for that, um, the people that, that were handling the transactions, they were taking a long ass time. So one of them, actually the biggest transaction after Animoca, you know, announced they're now worth a billion dollars, they did a raise. I was like, do I even have these shares? Because it was still right. it was still taking time to process. I'm like, I put the money in the escrow account. Like, right. I, I obviously ended up getting the shares, but. Yeah, it was like the this whole new world of, all right, I couldn't, like, I wasn't like an angel investor before. I didn't understand how to do this. So I had to just like, kind of claw and Did they even know it. you're like, did these guys know they're dealing with like a 20-year-old counterparty? And these guys uh, actually, no, like, they had no clue that they were, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, it was pretty, like, these are, these are like pretty serious, legit guys that were, <laughs> I mean, they thought they were, you know, shoveling dirt onto me. And then, right, I was, they're probably I, laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Their perspective was, let me give dirt to this person. And I thought I was buying a gold mine. And so I was like, all right, let me, let me do this. Um, but I remember I, and it, a lot of this, there's a lot of luck involved, obviously. Um, and so when I bought it, a f you know, I thought this was like a very long term play. Like after five years, there might be something here. Um, but it was only after about three months. So I bought it. The valuation I bought it at was like 30, 40 million. And a few months afterwards, they raised it a billion dollars. Um, and I remember getting a call. There was like this Hong Kong fund that reached out to me. And because I, you know, I've always, I had to like flex a little bit to people and right. put it online that, you know, I bought this company. So you're up 50X. Yeah, I'm up. Yeah, it was, it was worth like, I think, $2 million. Um, and I was like, holy shit. Um, let me like, let me like, I, I'm not, let me like have a think of what to do here because people want to buy it. And yeah, I had a Hong Kong fund that reached out and was like, we'll buy all of it. We'll give you $2 million today. You're actually, 20, 21 years old or something. This was actually right before they um, actually announced they're raising it a billion dollars. Some fund probably heard they were going to raise it a billion dollars. Then we're trying to get it off me at a like, at a discount. So it was like, I, I think the initial, the initial offer was like a million dollars or like whatever. And I remember calling my dad. I was like, 
holy shit, like this is worth a million dollars. And obviously like brown parents, you know, this is a million dollars. You took this to Jared, but like, take the money. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Take the money right now. Um, and so, like you said, I was like, just wait a few months. Maybe this will be more. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, I don't think that like this is it here. And especially because I was tracking all the numbers, especially NFT, like volume, like NFT volume sales. And I've been tracking this every single month. And for like, it was like a flat line. It was like someone was dead here. And then in this month, there was a little uptick. So I'm like, this, these little upticks don't just like start and end here. There's, there's some like craze that goes on here. So I was like, if this is worth a billion dollars now and this, this, the hype is just starting now, let me like r- ride at this the, way. At the peak, Animoca was worth what? At the peak, uh, they raised the latest round was six billion. Six billion. So yeah. you were buying in effectively like a 20, 30 million dollar valuation. Yeah. It runs up to six billion. I remember at one point you're telling me in Slack, you're like, these people just offered me two million bucks for this. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, you did it. Dude. <laughs> we started the yeah. podcast, my first million. You just made your first two million. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. Like, I can't believe this worked out. You're like, I'm not going to sell though. And I was like, wow, this guy's insane. <laughs> and I was like, that's an insane yeah. story. So you held it. Um, what's it at now? Uh, who knows? No, <laughs> no one knows. I mean, like, I was with, uh, so I met, I met Yad and I met the board. It was a few weeks ago in Sydney. Um, and the, the real thing here is, I, I forgot who said it, but they were like, never count your winnings unless it's like cash and bank, it's realized. Um, and so I was like, hey, you have to exit this. And the way to exit it is either I sell it privately. Um, all these unicorns, they're at massive discounts right, right. now. So it's like, Not I could do time. that. Yeah. I hit like, you know, at its peak, it's worth eight figures. Do I sell now for seven figures and, and cash it in? That's always like a decision that plays on my mind. Right. Otherwise, um, you know, they have plans to list and do an IPO and what like, you yeah. told me at the time, because I was like, dude, this is insane. I was like, hey, man, listen, yeah. as your pseudo father, father figure here, <laughs> you should sell yeah. this. And you were like, I-, I see what you mean, but you were like, what, I, what do I need $2 million for? You were like, I don't yeah. have something I'm going to go do. I'm not going to change. I don't want to change my lifestyle. Like, I like my lifestyle. Yeah. You were like, I'm just going to look to invest it somewhere else. And if I think this is still the best place to invest it, I'm just going to do that. And like, you know, if I lose it, I'm so young that like, yeah. whatever i get the story and i'll just keep going like you know, i'm not it, it, and the way you said it like the my meter went from oh my god this guy's insane to like honestly i see his perspective <laughs> which is that two million bucks changes most people's lives but you were like i don't think that that doesn't get me where i'm trying to go yeah and in fact uh you know if i still believe in this i just want to see where this goes in for you know for a while as crypto can, as nfts you're right like became the thing that year, yeah, uh, you know, there was sort of like a peak moment in that where it became worth more than $10 million, right? So it was yeah. like, would have played out very well. Timing is always very, very tricky. Um, do you look at this as I was trying to try it? I was trying to time a, a bubble or do you look at this as I believe in this company and I still believe in this company and that's why I have the stock? Believe in the company and also um, I was kind of seeing this as like, there's there's like a few people that have like these life holds it's like uh you know you hold these like this is a lifetime hold this isn't like you buy in you sell out whatever um and so i was convincing myself of that it's like I w- i'll buy this and you know when this becomes like the next 10 cent i'll have a couple hundred million dollar stake and that's how and i didn't have to do it this is like the only investment i had to do i didn't have to make <laughs> all these other investments um there's still some like part of me that believes in that it's like uh, I, I still see a pathway where like in the next 20 20 30 years whatever this is like a hundred, two hundred, three hundred billion dollar company or whatever. And it's like I have 
I've got a pretty decent, you know, stake in that. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's what I was like convincing myself of. That is a bit less now during times like this, right. but I still have some thing here where I'm like, okay. If, um, is, it, is it hard to not just get attached like identity wise to like, I don't want to be wrong? Yeah. I've made that mistake before. Like, well, I think, yeah. you know, especially this is such an extreme case. It's one specific thing. You were yeah. so right. You were boy genius. <laughs> yeah. Then it crashes, but you're like, am I now boy idiot or am I boy genius? Is yeah. this the moment where I held through the tough times or yeah. did I just fuck up and I need to learn that lesson? Like, yeah, really hard. Yeah. I, well, How do you I, deal with that? Well, I think, um, well, I went into, let me just like do something. Um, so I was like, I was still investing some money for, on behalf of other people and I was going around and meeting, meeting founders and stuff like that. And that's why I'm like, I'm doing something else right now. So, well, okay. Yeah. You have other bets. Yeah. I've got other bets. So that, that's what got me through it. I was like, if this goes away, I need to make sure that this is the next big bet. Right. Um, I don't need to be uh, like, I don't need to be right on this one. Um, like for, you know, if it ends up the way it's going, I could, I've got time to make more bets and right. be really right on something else. All right, everyone, a quick break, because I want to fill you in on a little experiment that I'm doing. I've got a new project. It's called MoneyWise. It's a personal finance podcast for high net worth people or young people who are on their way to becoming high net worth. When I made a little bit of money, I didn't even know how much money I should be spending each month. Should it be 10000 30000 50000 And I didn't really have a lot of people to ask. So I created a podcast called MoneyWise because I wanted to figure out what are some of the things that people who have a lot of cash and who have a high net worth, what do they do with it? The first episode is with a friend of mine. He sold his company for $200 million when he was 31 years old. He gets super transparent about his monthly expenses, his portfolio, how it impacts his happiness, everything. And so I want you guys to check it out. It's called MoneyWise. That's one word. You can find it on my Twitter bio. I'm the Sam Parr. Or you can just type in MoneyWise on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, back to the pod. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you like podcasts like this, you should check out some other cool podcasts. One is called Business Made Simple. It's hosted by Donald Miller, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. And what he does is he makes it easy to take the mystery out of growing your business. There's an episode that you should check out called What You Should Put in a Job Description to Get the Perfect Hire. And in this episode, Donald Miller looks at the whole hiring process and how important it is to emphasize both the, the positive attributes and the drawbacks to future candidates. And you'll learn why being self-aware as a leader will help you avoid hiring disasters. So check it out. Go listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And also you had done so much degenerate trading that like you don't emotionally mood swing like most. Yeah, the money little actually like, becomes play money in a way. Well, aside from Anamaka, I had a bunch of other token investments, especially when when Facebook renamed to Meta. Um, remember, I was buying up all the Metaverse coins, Decentraland, Axie, Sandbox. And so I experienced, you know, making millions of dollars, like liquid cash. I also, I learned a lot of lessons there. I also lost a lot of that money when, you know, I didn't manage my risk post, post, uh, but I, I experienced like the numbers just became like, you're looking at the screen. I have no attachment to it. Um, there'll be like those days where I'd be up a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, holy, obviously I spent a lot of it. I was like, right. I was, you know, all my boys were treated well. <laughs> we yeah. went out. I, when I eat, we all eat. <laughs> yeah. It was like, um, I was a pretty shy, nerdy, nerdy guy. Right. So I, I didn't really know how to talk to girls, but if you want to learn how to talk to girls, get rich. <laughs> I was like, I had, it's like a, it was like a huge confidence boost. I was, yeah, I was, I, what, it just gives you the confidence. It's just the, the confidence for you. Which, yeah. It, I think it was the confidence. It was like, 
Even right. if she rejects me, I'm still, I can go look at my MetaBask later and feel good about myself. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was more like, yeah. It, and also for me, like having $2 million in a bank felt like a billion dollars to me. Of course, yeah. I'm like, I'm spending a lot and it's just like, it's not going down because, because I'm like, I don't have kids and I have family. I don't have any, I have no obligations whatsoever. Right. Um, so even a lot didn't put a big debt. What'd you, what'd yeah. you do anything stupid? Uh, so yeah, I got an apartment. I got a, I got a Tesla. Um, I spent like, There'd be weekends where I'd get like limos out for me. And my boy would get like, like I remember like for my birthday, we got like three limos. We drove down to the uh, Gold Coast, which is like, you know, what Gold Coast is in yeah, Australia. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy to hear this because when I, like, I don't <laughs> know what I was paying you back then. It wasn't much. It was no. like, the, the very first thing was, it was 30K a year. I think it was. Yeah, like, we started at 30K. I think it went up after that. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. To maybe like 80 to 100, yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. That's what I was paying you then. And that, well, I remember at the time being like, oh, this is not going to work. This guy's getting like super rich doing these like crazy investments on the side. Like, yeah, it's not going to make sense for him to have a job at some point, which is great. Like my goal wasn't to have you work for me for 20 years. It yeah. was like, here's a young entrepreneurial guy. Come get some reps with me. Come like, just get you off the traditional path. Yeah. And then like, I hope you go do big shit and like, you know, I could be your biggest fan and, and all that. That's kind of what's after. And I'm. Yeah, I've had my popcorn, you know, <laughs> watching watching you do this stuff and, and it's being totally entertained the whole way. Yeah, because uh, you definitely like had like a roller coaster. Um, you're kind of like those like Wall Street bets kids, basically. Like, yeah, I was on Wall Street bets like since I was in like high school. Like I was, yeah, I was always on that farm. There's the equivalent uh, in Australia. Um, there's a thing called Hot Copper, which is like the equivalent of Wall Street bets. And on that, I was like the most active person. <laughs> I've got, and my nickname was Mr. Silicon Valley because I was just investing in tech stocks. Right. And I'm like, if you go on like, everyone can look at my profile. It's like, I'm, oh, I'm tweeting about Adam Mocker. I'm like talking about Adam Mocker on that platform. And there's another company called Brainship that ended up becoming like a multi-billion dollar because of the AI craze and, and stuff like that. Um, I was constantly looking at anything to do with what is like the next 100x stock. Because for me, it's stocks, right? I kind of invested. You told me some story. A billionaire takes you out to lunch and it's like, What's the next Animoca? <laughs> he, he reads yeah, the article yeah. and he's like, I got to meet this whiz kid. Takes you out. He's like, what's the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shit your pants immediately. You're like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Because during that time, like I'm, <laughs> I mean, this was Zep era, right? So I'm like, everything I'm telling people to invest in, it's going up and up and up. And, um, you know, I'm a genius. <laughs> yeah, I'm a genius. Um, and so I was like, oh shit. But I truly believed. I was like, Animoca just raised a billion dollars. I was like, uh, you should... You should invest in Adamaka. Adamaka is the thing. That's that is the next thing. And he was like, oh, okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And in the next few days. But inside he's like, God damn, I love that confidence. <laughs> yeah. In the next few days, he ended up becoming like the top 10 shareholder in the company, bought out tens of millions of dollars of the stock. And then obviously, you know, Adamaka didn't stop at a billion. You know, so he made, you know, over nine figures in that. Um, so that then that's did he tip you a little bit on the on the way out or tip the dealer or no? <laughs> uh, there's no comment. <laughs> there's right, no right, comment right, fair, enough. fair enough. Yeah. So, um, all right. So you go through that crazy journey. One of the things that comes out of that was you were then on behalf of this guy, plus other people, you were doing other investments. Yeah. One of them is shuffle. Let's talk about shuffle. So, yeah. um, you had flagged me a while back and you were like, Hey, crazy story. I think on the pod, I was like, can't say who told me this. Right. Yeah. Now it's all, now it's like way more public. Okay. Like, <laughs> at the time yeah. you were like, Hey, there's a company called stake. Yeah. That is making unbelievable amounts of money. You were like, they had like a, whatever, $800 million dividend last year. <laughs> like, that's just that's the profits they took out. You're like, this guy, one of the owners, I don't know, how old are they? They're like, they're in their like late 20s, mid 20s. Yeah. yeah, like 27 years old, bought a $50 million house in Australia. Yeah. And another guy bought like a, whatever, $100 million house. <laughs> and it's like, that's how you know someone's like 
rich, by the way, when they're yeah buying like oh look at the real estate. Yeah, that is like you know that when they're buying an asset like that, like they because people be didn't know it. Yeah. The articles are basically like mystery, you know, yeah. mega millionaire buys fifty million dollar home, and then it was like they had two companies. They had like a software company that makes yes. like gambling for yeah. It's like makes like the gaming software to go play like the games. And then they have Stake, which is the casino, the like basically crypto casino. And they're like, you know, intertwined companies or whatever. Yeah. A little Alameda, uh, you know, FTX, <laughs> fish, you know, I'm getting some vibes here as I describe it all out. But either way, like Stake has been, you know, it's become like huge. You know, they have Drake playing and then whatever, yeah. gambling and shit like that. So you meet these guys who are doing a competitor to that in a way. Yeah. Um, how do you describe Shuffle? And tell us about like, this crazy space. Cause I only know yeah. what you told me about the stake thing at the time. Yeah. And then since a bunch of news has come out, like kind of validating what you said, um, tell me about the space and tell me well, about at the time. So I was, so I was traveling around just Australia meeting other founders and I was at this dinner and at that dinner, the guy, there was a guy there that was, uh, like pretty good friends with the stake co-founders and he would like say these numbers. This is before the articles and stuff like that. So he would say some insane batshit crazy numbers. And I'm like, if these numbers are true, this is the, fastest growing tech startup yeah, in Australia yeah. in history. Like this is uh, maybe in the world, like this is like very, I mean, they were founded in 2017 and they're going to do a couple billion dollars in revenue. This is like some kids in their twenties, right? So I initially heard of that. I was like, okay. And then already at that time, I, I remember messaging you about, I wanted to start like a crypto trading, like let people do, like I want to start a, I, I think I titled the document. I want to build like the world's largest casino. Right. And um, <laughs> I remember this document. <laughs> yeah. And the way, that that product is actually like a huge product now. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Rollbit, but yeah, they have like a crypto trading thing. I was looking to do that, but that's like regulatory, just like a nightmare. Um, it's like an unlicensed thing, and and so I was like, okay, but I see this gambling stuff. It's it's huge. Stakers, you know, they just did a billion dollars in net profit. Um, in a, you know, a single year. How do I get some exposure to that? Um, and this going back to like how I find these opportunities, I just remembered there was another like hidden uni that lived in a whole different city to me in Australia that posted his research on Afterpay. And this was like a couple of years ago. And I don't know why, he popped out in my mind again. So I went looking for that article, I found his name and I uh, hit him a, a message on LinkedIn like, hey, like, you know, what are you doing these days? Um, let's catch up and whatever. And yeah, we caught up. And then that's when he started telling me about like these other crypto kids in Australia that have like made it pretty big, doing all this degenerate stuff. And they're starting a crypto casino. And it's going to be a competitor to not just stake, but there's like, that's the thing. The market is so huge. There's, I could, you know, there's a, there's a few other competitors that are also doing a billion dollars. Um, and it's just not really reported on, right? Cause right. it's kind of like a, uh, yeah, kind of shady industry. So I was like, okay, I, for me, you know, coming from pretty small town in Australia, when, I, when you meet other people that are kind of like you and we all had a like success in our own domain, I'm like, if we just come together, we're going to hit something big. Um, and I just wanted to be around those people. Right. Um, and so it was more like a bet on this like group team. of, yeah, just like also ambitious, smart, yeah. slightly degenerate or very degenerate, slightly autistic. Yeah. yeah like uh, 20 yeah. young 20 yeah. year olds, basically. Yeah. And these old people, yeah, that, like, and we've all, we've all kind of been through the same thing of making a lot of money, losing a lot of money. So we can kind of like lean on each other in that way. Like they, we understand each other in, in, in that. So. Um, by the way, this yeah. happens in like it's happened in online poker. I remember yeah. like the rise of online poker and the kind of poker kids who all made it and they all kind of lived in houses together and yeah, figured out how to like each like beat the game together basically. 
Uh, same thing happened with social media. So like the TikTokers or the Viners yeah. who all went and lived in the same building in Los Angeles, right, yeah, yeah. collabed with each other, plus traded tips, plus like got brand deals for each other. And they all like rose up way faster than the people yeah. who were on their own or didn't have the kind of connection. This was my Juntao group. Yeah. So yeah, so that's how I met them. And I was like, we all kind of agreed. Uh, a lot of the background of the Shuffle team, they come from like the big exchanges. FTX is one of them, BitMEX, Crypto.com. That's all their backgrounds. So we all had the Harvard, uh, Stanford of the, uh, of yeah. the sketch world. <laughs> so I was like, we we all, and you know, obviously I, I've traded on all of them and we all just had like, we all agreed on this macro thesis of every single cycle, there is like this one clear big winner, which is the exchanges, right? They, their business model is every bet, every degenerate bet you take, they have a little fee. Right. It's called transaction fee for them. For us, it's called house edge, but it's the same exact thing. Same model. Um, yeah. The same model. Uh, the legal structure is actually really similar as well. They will like get a license out in Seychelles or, or you know, FTX was in Bahamas. Crypto Casino is out in the Dutch Caribbean and Curacao. So it was like, there's all these similarities. Wait, what is that? There's like some place that's like, they just made it their business, some, some country. <laughs> country, right? Not Seychelles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Curacao. Yeah, that's the that's the where the hell is Curacao? What is in, Curacao? In the Dutch Caribbean, it's just a place uh, where you can. I mean, anyone, if you want to get a license to do like an online crypto casino, um, you could probably spin one up in like six weeks, <laughs> and, just, and it's very. And easy. that's their model. They are they're like we're open for business for casino for online casinos, basically. Yeah, yeah. and like that's where everybody goes to get their. Yeah, like we're, we're we're like in the same structure as Stake, and you know all the other guys. Um, we're all under the same license. And there's some risk to that, obviously. Like, course, yeah. what happens to that license? How long can you sort of play this game? And you have to uh, sort of calculate what, what amount of risk you want to take there. But yeah, that's, that's, it's exactly the same as these exchanges that were out, out, out um, you know, in the Seychelles or, or Bahamas. And so we saw that and we're like, okay, um, here's a clear difference between exchanges and casinos, though. Exchanges are raising at tens of billions of dollars and they've got all the fame. Um, whereas, you know, in, if people just understood, if this was more public on how profitable these casinos are and how they're very similar businesses to to exchanges, then you know th there would be some re-rating or valuation for these for these uh, for these uh, casinos. And so that was like that's well, but, the, but a lot of these investors and funds they have like a no vice clause, right? They, yeah, they, they yeah, just yeah. can't invest in they weed. Can't, they yeah. can't invest in gambling or porn or whatever. Yeah, even though there's money to be made there. So I think like that's one of the other reasons is like. Yeah, some people just either themselves individually morally say that or their fund charter basically yeah. prohibits them from doing those things. So they're just like out on yeah. it. Now, Even if they know it's a great business. I mean, who doesn't think a casino is an amazing business? We, we, we raised the seed round and that was like the hottest few months. <laughs> My biggest regret was, uh, was <laughs> yeah. not investing. I tried to invest and then yeah. like, it was like, oh, it's like one entity here, here. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, like if I have other people's money, if it's my own money, fine. Yeah. But when I have other people's money, you know, I have to like, you know, Think twice and just in that time it like closed or whatever yeah but anyway like that's we we all agree that uh in this like next cycle whenever it is could be five years down the line who knows but in the next cycle for crypto um we believe that there will be one two or three casinos in the top 20 of of all the coins and that's billions of dollars of of value that we think that you know we could we could do and, and a big difference with us is like like i'm on this podcast right now like we're not anonymous like we're not like these people that yeah. like all these crypto casinos, usually they're like very anonymous people. And um, I mean, if you're putting your money into a platform, you want to know who's behind it, right? You want to know so who these guys are. But how yeah. do you um, like all the F how did you follow all the FTX stuff going on right now? I'm yeah. like really yeah, into yeah. this trial. It's like my yeah. soap opera right now that I'm paying attention to. 
It's your Roman Empire. That's uh, it's my Roman yeah. Empire. Exactly. Do you have you been following it? And yeah. also, like, how do you feel about that? And how do you think, like, because it seems like crypto casino is like risk times risk in that sense yeah. of like, I don't know, something be- between you know malpractice to like you know the craziness that comes with with just that amount of money flowing through something. Yeah. Um, and you said you have people that worked in some of those places. What did they, I guess, what stories have you heard? And I guess, I don't know, like, not like the Sean spokesman, uh, you know, like, <laughs> not yeah. you professionally, if we can, just like my friend, like, the, how, how do you think about that stuff? Yeah, um, it's like, it's, I mean, being in crypto already, you already, you have like an appetite for speculation. Um, and so anyone that's already in the industry, it's like, you're, you're taking some, you're taking some risk on, okay, there is some like regulatory risk already that one day this, this license might close down and your business is like, you know, screwed up. Like, and so you have to be kind of smart and calculated about that. It's like, okay, what are the other licenses? Can we start build, building it up? Like we have to build our entire platform like in a modular way. So if something happens to one license, we can split off, let's say our casino and then put a license to a sportsbook and offer it in a right. different region. So it's just like lost. It's like we had to move the island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. lost. He's it's like, like we, we moved it. It's yeah. Fun. So uh, so there's some regulatory well, risk. There's some like, it's funny, like products have, most startups have product market fit risk. It's yeah. like, we don't know if anybody wants what we have to offer. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you, you have no market risk. Then the second tier is technical risk. It's like, uh, if we can make a, um, whatever, self-driving car, Right. People are going to want it. There's no market risk, but there's technical risk. Can you even build a self-driving car? Yeah. With this, there's no technical risk either, right? It's like, I mean, obviously you have to do technical work, but it's not, that's not the risk in the business. It's all regulatory. Uh, it's all regulatory risk in this, yeah. which is so different than like 99% of the other startups I look at. Yeah. Very few times do you just, just get regulatory risk. There's also just like actual risk that you have to manage of your book, like limits that you like. We will sweat sometimes, like when we, because we have to start upping the limits. You know, there's some high rolls that come and go, like, we, I want to do a 10K blackjack hand. I want to do a 25K blackjack hand. And you're just like, okay, holy shit. We have to, you know, if they have a few good runs, it could be all of a sudden down a couple hundred thousand dollars. And so your revenue is not always guaranteed. That's also like the biggest difference in this, in the, talk about the traction. So you guys launched, I don't know when, in February of uh, this year. Yeah. What's the, what can you share traction wise? Uh, so, you know, we're probably going to do a half a billion in volume, uh, like this month. Um, and you know, this is generating a few million in revenue a month. Uh, and hopefully this month will be a few million in profit a month. And, you know, we, this is also another thing that like these businesses are built to strip out the cash flow. It's like you, you, you build the business and then you have, you pay this out. This is not like, you're not praying for some exit. We all went into it knowing that no one's going to buy a crypto casino. Right. You build it to make a lot of money and then, you know, strip, strip the, strip the money out, um, and pay it out to all the holders of the business. So, right. um, that's also like, yeah, it's a very like, yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. It's a good problem to have. So yeah, we've, it's only been a couple of months, but, um, yeah, it's yeah, probably 50 million run rates, probably where we're at right now. Super impressive. Crazy. Um, any good stories about like, I don't know, how did you bootstrap it? Where did you go get your first customers? How did you? Yeah. Because that was your job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So because you'd be like, oh, I'm in fucking Asia right now. Uh, you know, meeting people. I'm like, what are you doing in Asia? You're like, I'm I'm building the brand. I'm figuring out how to get this thing out the ground. Well, this is like a really uh, the the first thing that I I don't know why I didn't really know this, but the people that come and play on your site, if they like to gamble, you know, they probably also have some other vices and like. 
They're probably not. Some of them are probably, you know, can get very angry very easy because the whole thing is about either you make money or lose money. So when they make money, obviously they're happy. But when they lose money, you know, right. This place, especially this <laughs> beyond like, I'm going to find out where you live and I'm going to find out like, so that was like the, when you talk about your first 10 customers, like your first 10 customers are, are pretty rough people that you have to do. So, um, I mean, the first thing we went to was we're all a bunch of crypto kids that made a bunch of money and then we gambled it ourselves. So we're like, we already had a lot of other crypto kids that made a bunch of money and, you know, like to gamble. So we went to those guys first and like, Hey, come, come, you know, plan our website and, and test it out. And we would, you know, there's little tricks and stuff of like, stuff with like deposit bonuses and like, come, yeah, like yeah, a standard kind of sports yeah, standard, like uh, sports play motions and stuff like that. Um, one thing that I think we did that was, oh, that that's pretty interesting that we found out was, okay, we should stop spending so much time trying to get thousands of people who will deposit like $10, $20 or whatever, because they'll come on, they'll come on your side and it's good for them to, you know, play, but they will lose $5 and then, you know, spend 48 hours in your support. You know, I'm going to kill you. Where where do you guys live? I need my five dollars back. Versus like, okay, let's let's maybe try and find customers that are, you know, not like that. And we got pretty lucky in, in some parts of Asia, especially Japan, right? Like they are they are people who bet really big and they're very respectful. And <laughs> they're very like they don't waste any of our time. Like they will lose money and play with honor. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, these are the customers we want. Now we know the customers that we want. And that's good for the business. Um, and yeah, we started making some pushes there and and trying to find, uh, you know, this is a pretty heavy like affiliate business. You want to find, you want other people to go out and do the work because you can't do Facebook. We can't do Facebook ads. We're prohibited from doing Google. So you can't do PPC. So you, ha- you have to find really creative ways of trying to acquire customers. And yeah, that, that was, yeah. Well, this is why like Steak, I think, bought or they created Kick. Yeah. And they're basically like paying Twitch streamers, you know, Gobs of money, reportedly like fifty million, hundred million dollar yeah. contracts to come play because they're like, oh, these are popular people. One of the things they'll play is we'll give them money to gamble on our platform. They gave Drake like tens of millions of dollars of right. like go play, show people that you're doing a twenty million dollar bet, yeah, and or you know gambling twenty million dollars one night. It makes you look like a baller. Yeah. It creates great content that's going to go viral and get you likes. Yeah, and all those people are going to see that gambling on stake is fun and Drake doesn't. Right, like yeah. that's like their. Yeah. Is that accurate? That's my Ste- perspective. So Stake pioneered that model. Like they were like, uh, we can't bid on these other channels with all these other crypto or like other casinos. Um, and so let's try and find other ways. And the streaming model, like they That's pioneered that genius, thing. Genius, honestly. It is, the thing that's genius about it also is that instead of like an influencer posting a picture saying, hey, come play on Stake, they're playing the product. They're showing you how it works. They're you're seeing their they're, reaction. They're yeah, you're seeing the reaction. in picture yeah. with the whole thing. So it, not only are you educating people about how to play it and how to, like the, this like next level in terms of, um, I guess like play of value as well. Like right. like they will deposit and, you know, they'll play, they'll lose. And then one, they're watching the favorite streamer play again. They're like, all right, time for me to also deposit again. So we found out like the affiliates or the influencers that, are really like they have a Discord channel or they, yeah, they have a, you know, they're, they're constantly li- live streaming. Right. Those people make you the most money. Something you said like, uh, we would not, like, rather than have you have a million followers, we want you to have, you know, 2,000 people like active in a Discord that you yeah. talk to all the time. That's more valuable, right? Like, and I, I think this doesn't just, it, this isn't just for like uh, casinos. I think like for e com and they're like, there's people that do Facebook groups and right. anywhere there's like a concentrated, like you have like those thousand, you know, loyal fans or whatever. Um, those customers are worth, 
Yeah, all the money. We did an influencer campaign. We spent $100,000 on influencers. Probably the first like paid influencer campaign we'd done. Yeah. So we put out, I was like, let's try $100,000. And we're going to spread that across these like, I think we did um, seven influencers, I think. Right. And so these are people who have like, you know, let's call it 250,000 to like three or 4 million followers on Instagram. And... I shit you not, some people, some of those people who have a lot of followers literally have zero conversion. <laughs> zero. Yeah. Like, dude, I could post on Facebook and get one conversion. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Some people kicked ass and, and it's like, what's the difference? And I've noticed that, you know, the Instagram has this one feature, which is like, when, um, not everybody has it, but like you can broadcast. So like, I don't know if you've seen this, but like, right. Instagram has this like, almost like one to many group chat. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You okay. can send a message and they can only emoji react. They can't like, it's not like your fans can chat back. But yeah. it looks like a chat. Right. And I noticed that the people who have active versions of those where they'll just be like, oh, you know, my favorite mug. Yeah. And it'll get like 3000 like lights there. Right. That's a way better signal for who actually converts versus like just a generic post or story or follower count. Yeah. Which is like, you know, neither here or there. And I think it's that really move product. You can tell like the difference in that. It's also just about uh, high, them being like very high intent. And so I think about the people that would go into that broadcast channel in the first place. It'd be like a small percentage of like that person's like most loyal, like fans or whatever that are active. And, you know, are, right. Yeah. So I think, um, for like that, that, that could be applied everywhere, uh, wherever you can get like, who cares about trying to get, you know, 4 million impressions. I just want to get, I want my product in front of like the thousand most, nah, I keep using the word degenerate, but like not degenerate, but like, you know, whatever the, the thousand people that are, by the way, I, I used degenerate positively too. When we were <laughs> hiring, we used to, uh, you know, co- companies have like corporate values Yeah, and it's like integrity yeah. and, um, honesty. And like, it was like, the, everybody has the same <laughs> values. It's like, don't yeah. kill somebody or something. I don't know. Ours was degeneracy. Yeah. And people were like, why does it say you should be a degenerate to work here? And we were like, that's <laughs> what it is. Like, <laughs> that's what we want. We want people who, are, who like, when they work on something, like, there's just two types of people. There's some people that, like, you know, they work to live and some people live to work, right? Like, right. we are the types that when we do a project, we go all in. We love doing it. Yeah. We obsess over making something fucking awesome. That's going to take a lot of work. And late nights, we don't want to feel like we're uh, like asking for a favor every time we try to go above and beyond to do something cool. Like, right. And, but it wasn't about working hours only. That was just like one aspect. The other thing we, we used to say is like, we noticed that the people who were the best earlier in their life had a degenerate, like obsession with something that wasn't like the thing your parents would reward you for, or the school would reward you for. Right. So for a lot of people it was gaming. It's like, oh yeah, I just spent like an ungodly amount of hours in, in Ultima four or like, in a runescape or something yeah. like that. That was such a strong signal to us that like this person is going to be great now with us because they have that switch where once they get really into something, they practice to like to master it and they get obsessed. They want to beat the game and like they're not doing it for the because people told them to do this. They're they're doing it because they can't not do it. Yeah. And so we found that people who had early obsessions in life were the best people that we wanted to work with. You also want that in customers or an influencer who's got people that are diehard fans. Like, yeah. why do people love Taylor Swift? Like, Swifties. They just, they identify in that yeah. tribe is what you want. Yeah. And I think that, like, whether people like the idea of a crypto casino or that makes them feel, like, really crazy or whatever, I think that the marketing lesson about how these guys market themselves is, like, one of the best, like, marketing hacks that created a multi-billion dollar outcome was this one realization that, hey, let's pay these influencers and celebrities to 
specifically do live streaming on Twitch, which is not the main marketing channel right. for 99% of other brands. And let's give them money to gamble so that people can watch the, the, the sort of thrill of victory and the agony of defeat yeah. live in real time. And that is the best marketing for our product. More MFM in just a minute. First, let me tell you about one of the joys in my life, and that is a virtual assistant. You know, here's the scenario. I'm running my companies. I spend 30% of my time just doing random bullshit. The stuff that has to get done, but it's not creativity. It doesn't require me, and it doesn't add a bunch of value to the business. It's just stuff. And so that stuff is what a virtual assistant does. So having a virtual assistant is a no-brainer, whether it's travel booking, email inbox, or just knocking stuff off your personal to-do list that would have just lingered there forever. I think it's a no-brainer. If you're a business owner, you should definitely do it. I think one of the best places to find an assistant is Shepard. So go to supportshepherd.com. Super affordable. It's something that um, you know you don't need to have the biggest business ever, be the biggest big shot in order to afford it. So it's amazing. Go to supportshepherd.com, check them out, and tell them I sent you. They'll take good care of you if you do that. So supportshepherd.com, check it out. All right, let's get back to the pod. I, also, I, I respect that. that. I also think for those guys, I think they're really... They're like one of the most like fascinating entrepreneurs that come out of Australia because I think for Kick, it's not, it's actually, I think the goal here is, all right, they've now, you know, made this five to $10 billion like crypto casino. It's like, where's this? They want to go more now. They, you know, Twitch was valued at 40, 50 billion. I think these guys legitimately just want to go in and, you know, although they want to use the money to beat Twitch. They want to, yeah, they want to use money to like, this is their next thing to get them to. Like, I think. They want to leverage. They were already working with all these streamers, paying them, you know, millions of dollars to gamble. It's like, well, let's actually just also pay you guys millions of dollars to stream, but on our platform. It's like, I think they saw uh, uh, a sort of gap here. They they came at the right time. Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't think it's just for gambling. I think these guys truly, um, you know, love. But there's stream. no way that works because streaming doesn't make that much money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is no way that that works in the sense that. Uh, you know, they would really have to be betting that they could, and, you know, okay, so I don't think it could work, but here's the case where it maybe could. So I remember, so TikTok now is obviously massive. Yeah. Do you remember when TikTok came out? So like, yeah, it was musically, and then they did like a- Musically, and musically was doing good, but didn't like make it to like the full mainstream. And it was kind of still seen as this like kitty lip syncing kind of, it wasn't like TikTok today, you can go learn shit. Yeah. You can make, you know, people make you laugh. You can promote your business. You can sell products. You can, you can do anything. Yeah. At the time, Musical.ly was literally like tween girls lip syncing, right? That's like all it was, right? There's like more of what the more of what the product was. So then they rebranded. It's like they get bought. They rebranded TikTok, which like I remember laughing about the name. Like, what is yeah. that name? And they literally spent a billion dollars marketing that app to make sure every teenager has it installed on their phone. Yeah. And like I, we had a kid who was working for us at the time that was in high school, but he would come and work at our office. I was like, dude, what do your friends think of TikTok? He's like, oh, it's like the joke. But he's like, I got to say, like, everybody knows TikTok. He's like, there's no one person in my school that doesn't know TikTok. He's like, we don't think it's cool yet. But like, I got to give it to him. Like 100% of every kid in my school is aware that there's a TikTok app that they want you to download. Yeah. And like, they actually brute force, like created the network effect. I guess there's a world where Kit could do that. But it's also, I think they're banking on um, maybe they do something where the friction to buy something on live streaming is lowered. And it, yeah, that's a whole new like avenue. I, I think there's, I think they know that the traditional model is not going to ever work and that 
let's just get all the eyeballs and then maybe they can flick some switch somewhere. Um, and, you know, like Instagram Reels makes like $10 billion a year. I don't know how. <laughs> like, like you've clicked some switch. plugged into the world's greatest yeah. ad engine in the world. You know, Facebook's ad engine is yeah. the greatest ad engine. Maybe Google's one or two, but like it's pl- it, the Reels makes that much money because it's plugged into one of the greatest money makers ever. Um, and live streaming is live streaming commerce is like a pretty huge thing in Asia. Um, it really and is. so if it can, if it can somehow work in, in Western markets, I think like there's something I think there where they could flick the switch. And then, you know, this is, this is how they go from, we're already worth a couple billion dollars. How do we get to 10, 20, 50? And maybe they don't care about how much they're worth, but what's like the biggest what's impact? Game? Yeah. What's like the next, they've already won one game. It's like, how do we, how do we get to the next? So I think, um, yeah, that, that's super, like, I think more people should probably know about those guys. Uh, and are you like, I'm going to be a degenerate forever? Uh, or are you <laughs> like, you know, I'm just going to do this for this period and then I'm going to do something else? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I really wanted to be a part of something that could be huge and that could grow really fast. Um, and so I, I want to do that with Shuffle and yeah, we'll ride this wave. Um, like, will I do another thing in sports betting or gambling, or whatever? I don't know, you know, maybe not, but. Um, I, like, like I mentioned to you earlier before, it's like, you make your nut and go to your noble mission. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I, I think, I think I might. Justin Mayer's quote. Um, yeah. <laughs> love that, love that quote. Um, I love that quote, not because I think it's right, but because so many people, when they hear that, they're like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Cause it's such an easy out to like justify <laughs> yeah. anything that yeah. you're doing in the moment. Cause you're like, I'm going to do the noble mission later. And so I love it. Cause it's hilarious how much people love that quote. I don't know if it's good wisdom or bad wisdom. I can tell, but, uh. What, by the way, what uh, ideas do you have? So, yeah, I've, you know MFM, you know, that's what yeah. we do here. I'm going to, I'm going to get out my notes up really quick. To okay. See. And we might have already talked about some just uh, really quickly. There was, um, before we were talking about kids that were playing RuneScape and stuff like that, I literally have already one in here. I had incubator around kids who are building businesses within games. Um, I like that. Cause I think every Roll single blocks. person, yeah, every, so I guess m- during my era, like I'm, I'm a bit older now during my era, it was kids that were building Minecraft servers or um, I know for the guys that did stake, they were RuneScape kids. They, they built a casino in RuneScape first and then they did their own thing. So it's like RuneScape, Minecraft. I think now it's like Roblox or like maybe um, like Fortnite creator maps and stuff right. like that. Like if you're building businesses within games, um, every single person I've met that's done that, they're all like super successful millionaires. <laughs> I 100% agree. Um, I think I tweeted this out. I go, what people think a success, uh, the like winners backgrounds looks like, yeah, and, you know what the world tells you is like, you know, good grades, he goes to a good school, yeah. has good internships, and like you know, uh, after school activities, right. runs for student council. But it's like what I've seen is like what the real winners are are like the kid, the guy who's running his own gaming server when he's fourteen, yeah, kind of because he just wants to be able to buy games. He's not like even running yeah. it as a business, right? Like. The sneaker head, like sneaker flippers, basically, yeah. um, you know, people that are like hardcore gamers that are like become best in the world at a video game that's like super competitive. Yeah. That type and like, you know, which requires skill, strategy, communication, like ton, like obsession. Those are pretty translatable skills. Yeah. Uh, you know, speech and debate is another one. Like there's these like un- unorthodox backgrounds. RuneScape is one that's crazy. The RuneScape Mafia. Yeah. A number of <laughs> rich young people I've met that the common denominator is, yeah, we used to be like, I didn't, I didn't play RuneScape, but they're like, yeah, RuneScape has like the, the marketplace or the yeah, plaza yeah. or something. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we used to run, we used to run the plaza or the marketplace. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. geez, this is something. I have an idea around that, which is uh, 
I was like, I want to create kind of like the outcast conference. So basically what I want to do is be like, these are actual hotbeds of talent that nobody's really talking about. I want to invite like the people who do that. It's like your point of entry is like, you, you need to hit one of those criteria. You run a gaming server or like, yeah, you're like elite at this, like, you know, I found this one thing called mind sport. It's like some place you go that you play, it's like Olympics, but for nerds. So (laughs) you don't do, you don't run. You yeah. play chess and then you play backgammon and then you play like, yeah. you play like this like advanced version of chess. Like, you know, you play Go, you play like all these yeah. games and whoever's like the best across these like 10 really hard strategy games is like the mind sport champion. Yeah. And you know, that guy's a freak. You know, those guys are all going to be amazing. Right. As yeah, soon yeah. as they decide like, oh, okay, it's time for me to have a career now. Yeah. As long as they just get to like funnel in the right place and don't just go be a, a McKinsey drone. Like, yeah. you know, those people are going to kick ass. So I'm like, oh, I want, I want to make things where it's free for them to attend, but you got to be the best of the best. And I want to just be able to like curate that talent and be like, I'm going to place my bets on these people now. Like, hey, if any of you ever start a company, just remember this goodwill yeah. of me bringing you here, paying for all of this because I want to be your first investor. Like, yeah. I, I genuinely think that's going to be like one of the high, highest ROI things that I could do. Well, I think a lot of them, so a lot of them get lost to like banking or something like that. And then um, there's a lot of them as well that, they just don't have guidance coming out of the first thing that they do. And so they fuck around for maybe like a few years. And then right. like, they that's why I'm going to outcast. Cause like, they probably feel like, oh, I'm kind of like behind <laughs> a little bit. I, yeah. I wasn't doing all the shit that the other like achiever kids were doing, but it's like, no, 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 trust me. Let me show you 10 other people that are like you. And then they're like, oh, I see myself in them. Like I can do it too. This is, yeah. this is the basis of like a lot of sports. Like you see a guy that's from your hometown. And now you start to believe you can do it too. Why do you like Australian entrepreneurs so much? Like, yeah. what do you care? It's like, because they're from Australia, I'm from Australia. If they made it, I can make it. That, yes. That's yeah. cool. But had you never heard of any, you would probably also be, you know, banking somewhere, you know, on that. And also like, uh, I think a lot of them, when you spend your time or your childhood or whatever, like in a room doing all this stuff, you're, whatever, you're making money or like you're learning business skills, but then you start lacking in other areas. <laughs> Maybe. So then like that, that's setting up setting yourself up for failure to waste some time whether it's then afterwards you know you have some girl troubles or afterwards you don't know how to do something with family or whatever blah 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 that um yeah i think that that's why oh that's a great idea yeah. I'll, i'm just gonna have a kissing <laughs> i'm just gonna have a high girl it's like yo yeah. if you haven't had your first kiss just let's just do it now <laughs> and we're gonna get that all out of the way we're gonna kill we're gonna crush these like lingering <laughs> doubts in your head <laughs> yeah uh but yeah that, that was one of them um I mean, but what was your idea? Was, uh, I, I, well, I, the idea was like just like a, like a, like a, uh, you know, giving these kids like mentorship and like just an uh, incubator game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so like, like a little Y Combinator thing for, for these weirdos. Um, what else? Yeah. There's a, I was just at a conference. I was just really surprised. Um, I mean, something within conferences where I think maybe more people should uh, make conferences for like cashed up niches. Um, because especially if you do like the exhibitor model where it's like, oh my God, like that, you know, and some of these people are the one I just went to. They're paying a couple hundred thousand dollars for a for for a booth. So maybe that starts off as you do your newsletter, whatever. You do like the the low effort thing first, the low price, low effort thing of newsletters, whatever. Build that audience, and then just immediately go into. Like, I'm surprised you guys haven't done a conference yet, because I feel like that would that would make like an MFM one. Yeah, like an MFM. Yeah, just lazy. But yeah. Um, another one that actually kind of related. Um. I think this is kind of boring, but like a CRM for, again, like cashed up niches. So we're right now looking for like a new CRM platform and, you know, everyone goes to like Salesforce, or whatever, but they operate in like a hundred different verticals, right? 
And so who's going to get our 10K a month? Right. It's going to be the one that is still yeah, built specifically for iGaming, which is our niche, whatever. So right now, like we're making the decision and we're going to go with some other smaller company. We're not going with Salesforce. We're going with this other one. They're going to get out, you know, 10 grand right. a month or whatever um, because they're specifically, they're specifically for iGaming. Right. Um, so that's like another one that's a little bit boring, but it's like if you could just find like some niche. And that, what are these other cash up niches? So like one, for example, I think is like farming. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Another, I mean, any real estate is another one, right? Yeah. Uh, within that, you could even be like senior living or right. HVAC, yeah. you know, like things like that where you know that everybody there can spell EBITDA. Right? <laughs> well, it's like, it's, I think for anything that where the interactions or the behaviors of your customer is high value. very, it's very high value, but it's also, it's very different to like maybe like an e-com or whatever, like, or like just a transaction, like, on our one, it's like you you have a bunch of games that you like and you spend, you know, we want to know exactly if you've lost this amount of money in the next few hours, we want to like make some contact with you and stuff like that. Right. We can't really do custom behaviors like that with like a Salesforce or whatever because or, or like w whatever else CRM platform because it's it's very tailored to a very broad niche. So anything that has like... So you're saying high value customers and then basically figure out like... First principles, what should this look like for this niche? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think something like that. That's pretty be, good. I like that. That'd be a good idea. A, I think that's yeah. a very, like, that's a very good sandbox for somebody that wanted to explore. And we, we just worked out this before. Uh, it could be someone that does, like, so if in, in the gaming biz, there's, you know, VIP, like, VIPs make up your whole entire business. If we're talking about, there's actually other verticals as well where VIPs is, like, your thing. You should, actually, every single business probably has VIPs that they're just, like, not, uh, interacting with. Um, so maybe like VIP management software for e-com, right. for whatever, you know, even for like retail businesses or whatever, like you probably have, yeah, you probably have like customers that will come in. Let's say I, I started getting into like the hot cold exposure therapy stuff. So yeah, nice. I started going like, how the tech bro have you? <laughs> I was like, I started going into these places like, you know, three, four times a week. But, um, you know, if these guys just would have know that like I'm paying this much amount of money right come upsell me on something else or do something else like I think that even like retail businesses like just if you were to focus less of your time on trying to you know broaden and uh, like getting re you know paying on these Facebook ads to get the next thousand customers what about the 10 that's going to spend like you know you know whatever five ten times more right. on the business um, so that's probably I think some VIP management software for yeah, that's guys. Like, that would be. That they could one. sit on top of whatever whatever niche you choose. It could just sit on yeah. top of the current software and just be like, yeah. But this one is all about your VIPs, and we're just yeah. going to extract the data that we need, yeah. and then give you the actions or the recommendations or the, the triggers in order for you to like. When should when should we reach out? What should we give them? What do they like? It's right. um, that could that could be one. Um, this is probably not so unique, but I think I don't I don't know if you've used these use people like this, but like. Uh, agencies for content that do it's like full service of like thumbnails and um editors and i like i don't know how hard that is to find like people that really know their shit about you know creating online content because it seems like every single person wants to like you know be a personality or brand right now um and so people that i mean a lot of these are like uni kids that know how to do this um but it's like exactly how to connect those middle yeah they be the middlemen for the uni well, kids is like done for you so D dfy yeah. So like people who do this e-com now, honestly, I think they're pretty scammy, but they're like, hey, we will just hand you an e-commerce business that makes cash flow. Right. And it's yeah. like anytime someone promises you passive income, just like run away. Yeah. But like, um, that's what they're promising. And a lot of people, I mean, these companies that are promising this are making a ton of money. And one of the reasons why is it's tempting to instead of just saying, 
here, we'll teach you Facebook ads, but now you got to go figure out the rest. What product? What's the supply chain? What's, what's yeah. Google ads? They're like, we're just going to give you the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, turkey. And so, you know, there's a version of that. Like there's video editors and content there. There's, you know, copywriters, but like, you kind of want the whole thing, the sort of like done for you package. Yeah, I think like a full service uh, agency for all that sort of stuff might might work out. Um, trying to think of what else. Uh, let me see. Uh, this one's kind of related to like maybe uh, what you did with Shepard. But um, so recently we like we we started to, had to expand to Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is like none of us speak Japanese. <laughs> it's like we don't know how to scale in, in that country. And so, well, what we had to do was like, first, let me research what other companies have done. And I remember reading, I think maybe it was like a Chamath video when he was at Facebook and he was like, uh, we hired some MBAs and they flew over to Japan. They came back and, you know, a few months went by, we weren't growing. We're like, what's going on? We fired those MBAs. We got this like young woman from that who was actually living in Japan. And within the first month, we were seeing growth. And we're like, wait, what, okay, what are you doing that these MBA people haven't done? She's like, well, I, you know, on, on the Facebook profile, like, we don't care about your relationship status. We care about your blood type. Right. And it's just like stuff like that that you would only know. Right. Localization, do, not local translation. And to find those people was like, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to, to do that. So maybe if there's some like agency where, um, like, so we hired uni kids that, are, that speak native, like fluent English so we can communicate with them. But also they're fluent in, you know, in Japanese and doing that, like, you know, our growth has been like TEDx of just like they know the market in terms of they like that none of them knew anything about like gambling. They don't need to know that. We can teach them that. Right. They just need to know like what are the people like, how do you communicate with them? How do we uh yeah, localize all that content, do everything um to to cater to this market where and it's it's in certain markets very important that you are respectful and you appear like you're not, you appear like you're not a foreign company that's trying to attract the customers. You appear like you're born out of that country. Right. Um, so, so doing that whole process for me was very hard to find like the right people that spoke English that also was native in, in Japanese and, and knew all that. So, uh, maybe if there was some like shepherd like, uh, agency to help you, okay, you're expanding into this country. Here's like your, you know, growth assistants that are native to that language and can do all these things. Um, that's cool. I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, there's two crazy things on that. One, if you look at the Facebook growth chart, like one of the key things for Facebook was getting the site translated and localized across yeah. like, and they did a, they had to do some crazy Wikipedia like shit to get the whole site translated because there's yeah. so many different, I mean, the Facebook site was kind of complex at the time. And so um, I remember seeing that. That was very impressive to me. Second is there's a sub version of this, which is just to do business in certain places. You have to establish an office. Yeah. Uh, like China, you can't do business there unless you have a local office. You can't do business in certain places. Can't pay, you can't pay local people unless you have a thing or whatever. And just that can take like a year. Yeah. And so like, I remember with Twitch, when we're at Twitch, it's like, oh yeah, we're trying to put our servers here. We're trying to do this here. Um, we're using, we had to use Amazon's people to do international expansion. Cause right, like Twitch, that. even as a multi-billion <laughs> dollar company didn't have yeah. like that expertise in house. Right. And they would be like, yeah, it's going to be 12 months. And they'd be like, we're finally live in whatever so and so country with our office, and I'm like, what? And like, and they're like, that, that this has been a year of effort. I'm yeah. like, that's insane. Like, that seems like can we turn that to software somehow? Like the way that Stripe Atlas did for company corporation. Right. Like, is there a Stripe Atlas for the world in that way? I've um, got a little funny story about the localization stuff. So, um, like, a, a, everyone probably listening is probably thinking like, oh, but why don't you just get AI to 
translate your stuff. And it's it's not there to the point because we were using just ChatGPT, a bunch of guys that were non-Japanese speakers right. using ChatGPT. And, you know, we're talking to like very high value customers, right? And, you know, the AI hasn't really caught up in like tone or like certain like nuances. And so apparently like, you know, we were talking to a VIP like they were a kid, like we we're saying, good boy, and like stuff like that. <laughs> and yeah, once yeah, some of those people are into that shit. <laughs> yeah, these people like, and then yeah, yeah, definitely these people definitely were. They were like, they stopped playing with us. They were like, yeah, yeah, like disrespecting me, blah blah. blah. So, um, yeah, so getting That's like native, way. Yeah. yeah, getting like for especially languages like that, like getting like native people to know how to speak. Um, yeah, no way. So one one of the one of the projects I worked on when I was at Twitch was like we were trying to grow like crazy in Brazil, like, and so I was like, all right, luckily we had a, a group of people. Like, there's four people in an office in Brazil that like. No one was even talking to really. They were like, yeah. they were so at arm's length from headquarters. And I was like, hey, I'm here and you guys are like my key people. They're like, oh, awesome. We have so many ideas. Like, can you help us do them? We're like, yeah. Well, I was like, what sorts of ideas? And they were like, well, you know, our, uh, everybody here uses YouTube. And so subscribe is like how you follow people on YouTube. But right. on Twitch, subscribe is you cost money. So if everybody here, they open the Twitch app and they click subscribe to follow the, someone they find interesting. And it says pay $5. Right. Yeah. They're like dollars. First of all, five, that's a week of groceries. <laughs> yeah. And secondly, this site, you have to pay to watch people. Screw this. They don't even know that it's free to watch. Right. Yeah. And they're like, can you just change the text on that button? And I was like, oh, damn, how many more of those are there inside <laughs> this app? And another one was like, we were like trying to come up with like these marketing campaigns. We had like marketing, like our marketing experts like coming up with these ideas. I asked the local team, they were like, hey, can you buy the, can you just like, give me your credit card? I want to buy five iPhones. And I was like, iPhones, why? He's like, in Brazil, an iPhone is like a gold bar. He's <laughs> like, this is like, he's like, we're just going to give these away. Trust me, you'll get like 20,000 people watching the stream. I'm like, yeah. what? And he's like, this is a gold bar. Imagine somebody just giving out like golden bars. <laughs> and he just kept saying that and, I, and he did it. And it was just exactly that. It was like, all of a sudden was just number one most watched guy on Twitch that day. It was right. the guy giving away That's one crazy. iPhone. And he, he milked it for like four hours. He's like, I'm not giving it away until we get like 30,000 people in here. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, <laughs> and it worked. It was insane. Yeah. There's yeah, stuff like that, that we that we find out like every week of like, oh shit, you guys actually do it this way. And by us, have you heard about what Mr. Beast does with this? Yeah. Uh, is it like the dubbing the videos? That, so yeah. first he exploded his growth by just being the, one of the few American YouTubers to like create his Brazil page, create his Philippines page, yeah. create his Indonesia page. He created separate accounts for all those, localized them, hired somebody who speaks the language. And like, yeah. you know, like when we were over hanging out with a, some lady walked in speaking Portuguese and I was like, like, yeah, what the hell's going on? And he's like, oh yeah, she manages like my whole page for, for Brazil. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like you have to have somebody who speaks the language and knows it. And then what they did was I was like, so do you dub it? And he's like, yeah, we dub it, but we hire like voice actors. I'm like, why don't you, you can use AI. I'm like excited to be like, you can use AI. He goes, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure you can. But like, he's like, what we do is we go and we find the guy who did the Spider-Man voice right. in Brazil. And he does my dub for like pretty cheap. And then every comment is, holy shit, it's Spider-Man. Yeah. And like, he's getting crazy engagement because they're like, that's Spider-Man. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it cost me like an extra five grand. But like, Look at what it did to my page. I think they turned that into like a agency where they like they, like they, right. tell, they do it for other people as well. Like it's yeah, they do the done for you thing. They're like yeah, if we did this for growth, we should do this for twenty other YouTubers. And I was like, dude, of all your businesses, like Feastables or whatever, yeah, this is like the most <laughs> underrated one because I'm like, this is genius. It's selling your sawdust, your your byproduct, yeah, stuff you already built in house. You're just making it available for others. Like that's a no. And you're Mr. Beast. If yeah. you just said, 
hey, every YouTuber, like you can use what I use, they'll all sign up, right? So it's right. like instant yeah. customer acquisition, paying, and they take like, they're like, dude, you don't even have a page in the Philippines. We're going to run, we're going to create it. We're going to run it for you. We get half or whatever. We get 30 to 50%. Right. So it's like, they don't just take like a monthly fee. They own like, you know, <laughs> the majority, like, you know, with like a huge chunk of that channel. I'm like, that's a really good model. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's done like a roll up of YouTube channels and brands or whatever. Like that seems like, seems like every niche ends up being like, you get, get rolled up. <laughs> yeah. Get rolled up and do that. So I don't know. If, I don't know. Is it spotter? No, I haven't noticed. So they're kind of doing it. What they're doing is they go to the creators and they say, we'll buy your back catalog. Right. So they say, we'll give you $2 million a day. You can invest that in your videos now to make better videos. And they're like, we can just see with AdSense, we'll make our money back in two years. And then after that, like forever, we profit off your back catalog. That's like the equivalent of like Taylor Swift selling exact masters or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, this company is like, I don't know, raise a lot of money. I don't know. You know, the key is underwriting. It's like, I don't know if they correctly underwrite these deals or not. Yeah. But like Mr. B sold a bunch of his back channel, a back catalog, a bunch of other people have. So I think they've like either raised that a billion dollar valuation or, or close wow, to yeah. doing that for YouTube. I have a friend that I work with who uh, manages speeds. I, you know, you speed the, the kid. Yeah. Uh, he manages his IP. I don't know what to call it. Like uh, whenever there's a video of speed going viral on YouTube or TikTok, or whatever. They will claim it and then they make yeah. revenue off. They'll, they'll actually, they'll run ads on it. And oh. I think, I think very quickly, like just speed alone has generated like a million dollars so far. And he's like, we should just be doing this for like, not just speed, like all these different creators. Yeah. They'll probably do yeah. you know, create like a big business. That, so that might be also like another, like within that. Look, because the way that works is if your video, if your IP is being played by somebody else, you can claim it and either they take it down, take it down yeah. or you get all the ad revenue. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think and you should just do, yeah, do the, the, the ladder, like get, do that. So, cause they, they found like, they were like, just uh, like for people, creators like speed, like a lot of the eyeballs that is, that is on him is not on his videos. It's on the millions of compilations, clips and yeah. compilations and stuff that are, that's, that's going unclaimed. Like you're, you're this like easy money that you could be claiming right. and, and getting. So, um, yeah, that's probably another thing that people should, you know, look into and do this. So good. Uh, this is great. These are yeah, some, some, these are fun ideas. Um, I'm glad we did this, man. This is, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Sean, uh, where should they yeah. follow you or go? What can they do? Uh, yeah, you can follow me. It's like Twitter. Um, it's Sean, yeah. uh, it's Sean Hawk, but the last few letters of my name's cut off. So it's H A Q. So if you're, you're S H A A N. Yeah. I'm I S H A N H A Q. That's, that's my Twitter. Nobody knows what um, H is in America. Uh, H. <laughs> H. Uh, but yeah, follow, follow me on Twitter if you're or LinkedIn or just look me up. Put it in the yeah. in the description. Uh, dude, amazing. I'm yeah. proud of you. Um, you know, this has been <laughs> <so> amazing <laughs> to I've gotten the validation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, I I'll say it. I I am super impressed. And I just I'm so glad you kind of you you've taken, you know, the ball, you just run with it. And you're taking just such interesting shots on goal. Yeah. And like whether any of these work or not right now is pretty secondary. Like yeah. By the time you're 30, your scoreboard is going to be filled up. You're going to have made all the successes. You whether it was this or that, or, I don't know which one. Yeah. By the time you're 30, you're going to have it all done uh, in terms of like you know the achievement side. But you're also just going to have had so much fun. Right. And like you know these lessons you're learning about like hiring these kids in Japan because of this. Yeah. Those are the real lessons of business. And so I'm so glad you're you're getting them, man. This is so cool to see. Thanks. I appreciate it. I've got one last question for yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ira, you said. So you, you, I forgot like your one life goal was like, I think it was like, you want to educate was a 1% of the world or, or whatever. 
I, 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 what I said, what I had said at the time was I want to be like for 1% of the world, I want to be their favorite teacher. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, which was at the time, I think like 60 million people or something like that. And I was like, if, if 60 million people thought like, cause like for me, I'm like, Oh, like I learned so much from Tony Robbins or Tim yeah. Ferriss or Naval or these people. Like I'd love to just be that for, for people. I think that's like, yeah, I know what they kind of have done for me. That'd be so cool if I was that for other people. That would, yeah. I think that would be like the highest calling for me. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, so is that, A, is that still the case? And then B, like, do you still want to do that? And then B, uh, like, what do you think will be the, what do you think will be like the avenue that way you achieve that? Like, is it, pod, is it, because you're already in the ears of, you know, all, all these people, whatever the stats are now. Yeah. A very different to what the stats are always started. Yeah. But um, do you so, think you'll be podcasting? It's, it's not actually that goal. That goal, I think, was arbitrary like who cares if it's 60 million who cares if it's one percent it was yeah, ambitious yeah. It, like it's it sounded a good. headline yeah it sounded good but i'm like i'm only need to say this to myself like i don't I, I need to believe it for myself what this what this actually means and that's not something i like needed to die to do you know like i, I didn't like feel like it was do or die to do be to be able to pull that off it was something that like sounded better than what i really meant it was also kind of virtue signally like you know um I don't even know if like teacher is the right word, but I guess the thing that I think about now is uh, almost like the D I, I, I stripped the ambition out of that and just made it really simple, but more true for me, which was, I want to be somebody that if I was 21, I would look up to this person. Like, I'd be like, that is what I want to be. That guy's awesome. And that's a combination of things. So for example, part of it is making content being out there. Otherwise I wouldn't have even known that this right. guy existed. Part of it is do cool shit. So that like stuff that like I respect uh, more, I think is cool in some way. Some of it is like build a cool business. Some of it's like, uh, you know, this outcast conference, like that's cool. I'm like, I like his reasoning behind that. I like that he went and did it or like, you know, you know, just giving somebody, you know, a bunch of money because you believe in them. And like my version of philanthropy, it's not like donating to the cause and going and sitting on the board of some nonprofit, but like. If you see somebody who's got a dream, like fund it and like right. make that happen. So I want to do cool shit that like I would respect. And the last part is the way you come across. Like I, I know that my favorite people were charismatic storytellers. They were funny. They were likable. Yeah. They didn't feel like they were bullshitting you. They had moments where they were honest and like they could have just not shared that or they could have said a sanitized version, but they chose to just be real. Right. So I'm like, those became my like scoreboard is like, would I at age 18 to 24, like, would I have thought this guy's the man? And like, I know even at that time, I was like, if I saw someone that was awesome, like Elon Musk, oh, he's amazing. I remember watching some documentary about him on the plane before he even started like uh, Tesla, I think. It was like a long time ago. And I remember thinking, this guy's awesome. But he had like had four marriages at that point. I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's not winning to me. Yeah. I like that he's an outlier in this one domain, but like, I didn't want to replicate these other three. So like, yeah. you know, to me, I'm like, the thing I would have respected is somebody who's like, just like, they're a really great dad. Like, for example, one of the things I want to do instead of, instead of doing another business or write a check is like, I want to go coach like a high school basketball team, like Mighty right. Ducks style yeah. for a year or two years or something like that. Yeah. And I'm, if I'm, I remember if I had, if old me, if young me had heard that some guy was, some rich guy was doing that. Yeah. I would have been like, I don't care if he's not the richest or most successful. That guy's awesome in yeah. my books. Cool. And so I just kind of want to be the person, like, you know, what's that quote? Like, be who you needed when you were younger. Yeah. Not needed, but like, be who you would have admired when you were younger. 
Right. And uh, that's the goal. Yeah. Uh, not the like exact goal I had before, which I don't know if it's better or worse, but like it's more true for me. So I don't know. I, remember, I think you'll say on some pod, you're like, you, I think you went to LA or something. You met a bunch of like rich people. And at, at this point now, I've met a bunch of billionaires and other, other cool people. And for the most part, like a lot of rich people are like miserable and, um, and like we mentioned before about the kids that stay in their room and build these businesses, they lack other right. components of life. And I see that reflected throughout all these people that are, yeah, they've, they've, they've made a bunch of money or they've done this one cool thing, but they've neglected every other part of their life. And it's like, okay, it's, there's, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, trade. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be in, in those shoes. Um, it's similar to what the, I forgot who it was, but some guy talked to the Instacart CEO and he was like, uh, are you, how old are you? And he was like, I'm 33. And he's like, I would, he's, and this guy's worth billions of dollars. He's like, I'll do anything to be 33 again. Um, <laughs> and like, he would trade, trade all his money. So it's like, I see that a lot more now. And, I, you know, I'm hopefully maturing <laughs> a lot more because before I was like, yeah, I just want to get all this and get the money and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think that's something cool. And uh, one thing that, one of the probably the most important thing, not important, but like effective things that I learned working under you um, was, I mean, everybody, maybe it was, maybe you're talking to Sully or Sully taught you this was like aggression, like just being like aggressive in yeah. like getting, getting things done and what you want. Like, I think most people don't, don't do that. Like they don't follow up or, you know, they don't, they, they don't be annoying. Like they don't, they don't try to be annoying. Um, when I, when I started applying that, I was like, okay, things are moving way, way, way faster. Uh, yeah. I remember probably like, cause I used to kind of, you were like my dear diary. It's like, I yeah. come home and I'd be like, I don't even know what time it was your time. You know, <laughs> I, I'd be like 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 3 a.m. Yeah. And I'd be like, hey, I'm ready to work. And like, I'd be like, I met this guy or I noticed this thing. And I would like kind of like use you as my sounding board to like play some of these lessons back. Yeah. So it's cool to hear what like stuck. But yeah, that, that idea of like intensity is the strategy. Meaning like, yeah, this guy's not smarter than me. He's not yeah. more knowledgeable than me about this. He's not like, there's no special aura around this person. What is it that's made this person so successful? And what, what do I, what's the difference between me and them? And I just noticed, I was like, oh, he doesn't have these like imaginary walls where it's like, you stop here. Right. It's yeah. just like, no, like, okay, we want to do this. Like, I remember one time we wanted to do a deal. The guy who we wanted to invest in this company and he was like, the guy was kind of on the fence. And he was like, what if we just wire him the money? And I was like, $2 million. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, like, we'll wire him the money. He's an honest guy. Like we met the guy. He's like, not like a crook. Yeah. Um, he's like, let's just wire him the money. And then like, I feel like that'll tip the scale. Once the money's in his bank account, he's not going to like want to like wire it back. And I was like, this guy's insane. And like, we had another moment like that where we were working on a, one of the founders was like, oh, I really need to raise this round. And they're telling us this urgency. I really got to do this. We're running out of money. Uh, the, the pitches are not going well. The first few pitches didn't go well. Can you guys help? We're like, yeah, we can help. We can help. Right now, it sounded like an emergency. <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, well, we got a, a thing. And we're like, you got a thing? You just said this is like so important. Okay, whenever you can. They get on, they get on the call with us. We go through the deck. Before we, we said, send the deck in advance. There's like 40 minutes before the call. What do most people do? 40 minutes before the call, this, uh, we'll talk about it in 40 minutes. Yeah. No, no, no. Silly so was like, by the time the call happened, he'd already emailed back like slides nine through 13 suck. Eliminate <laughs> them. Slide four is backwards. Put it in slide one. Slide one needs to say this. Had already given them the full first round of feedback. Yeah. They were like, what the hell? So they were like looking at it and we're like, cool, let's just make these changes right now. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, yeah, we, cool. we don't want, we want to be respectful of your time. He's like, the thing that's respectful of my time is like showing that you're like full force going for this, not yeah. that you're not going to use my time. I'm here to help. 
but like, let's do the thing. Yeah. You want to make this awesome? Let's make it awesome. So they started working on it. And they were like, okay, we, we, we know what we need to do next because we need to go pull some data and do whatever. And um, so we'll check back in with you whenever. And he's like, uh, you know, it was like noon. And he's like, cool, like, let's check in at 6 p.m. today. And they're like, two calls in a day? And even I was like, two calls in a day? I've never done that with somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever scheduled two calls in one day with somebody? <laughs> like, yeah. it never happens. It's not that it's so crazy. It's not like running into a burning building, but it's kind of the business equivalent of running into it. It's like, whoa, that's unusual. That's like a highly intense way to do this. Yeah. And you could tell they were kind of shipped by it. And then they did it. And at 6 p.m., it was like still not, not like exactly where we needed it to be. Or we realized something. Right. And we're like, cool, 9 a.m. tomorrow. Let's do it again. <laughs> by the third day we were like this deck is in great shape but these guys were like worn out yeah and so was like dude i'm just getting warmed up this is great <laughs> this is like what i live for is find the thing and laser in and just go for it and like what who says we can't meet twice in a day who says that they said no to the first proposal well let's what if you know there is some number they'll do this at what's that number <laughs> and like you know he'll just think about it differently yeah that stuck with me i'm glad that kind of that idea stuck with you. I say it out loud so that somebody out there listening will be, realize like, yo, my intensity knob is stuck at six. Yeah. Like 10 isn't more hours. It's just like more focus and it's more intensity at the main issue and not self-limiting and solved by, by fake imaginary walls that don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. You got to bring the energy. Uh, no small boy stuff. That's what, there we go. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's the pod. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Like